0: Welcome to Fright Fix. My name's Sook.
1: My name's Celia.
0: Celia, how are you doing?
1: I'm very well, thank you. Um, I was very happy that we actually got to see each other in person this week for the first time in like two years. <laughs> it been <was laughs> really nice. That long. <laughs> I know. Um, we went for an in-person walk, which as podcast presenters for what, nine, eight episodes now? Yeah. Uh, I mean. And we haven't actually sat in the same room. <laughs> it's very <laughs> weird. <laughs>
0: yeah god bless zoom so yeah it was yeah. quite nice to see you in person after so long I don't know. how are you i'm good i'm good it's just the you know middle of the week and uh wow this week feels really long and the sun sun was out briefly today and i just wanted to be outside but i stuck mm-hmm. behind the computer and I was like, but mm-hmm. other than that not much to complain about at all to be totally honest with you
1: good good
0: So this week we will be reviewing the 1968 classic Rosemary's Baby, directed by Roman Polanski and starring Mia Farrow as Rosemary and John Cassavetes as Guy.
1: Find your Fright Fix anywhere you listen to podcasts and follow us on social media at Fright Fix Podcast.
0: So before we continue, I have to give you the obligatory spoiler warning. So if you've not watched the movie, uh, please do pause this episode, go watch it and then come back.
1: Thanks, sir. So a quick rundown of the film, Uh, Rosemary Woodhouse and her struggling actor husband, Guy, move into the Branford, New York's iconic building that brims with unpleasant stories of obscure dwellers and ghastly occurrences. Before long, the young couple is befriended by their somehow eccentric next-door neighbours, Roman and Minnie Castavet. and after that, Rosemary gets pregnant. Little by little, as the inexperienced mother becomes systematically cut off from her circle of friends, alarming hints of sinister and well-planned conspiracies begin to emerge, enfolding timid Rosemary in a shroud of suspicion and mental agony. In the end, it's revealed that her neighbours are members of a satanic cult and have convinced Guy to help them with the birth of Satan's son through Rosemary.
0: Now, the thing with all our movie reviews is I generally come at them at what I feel is like a very surface level view. Yeah. And, you know, I say stuff like, oh yeah, this director did good directing and this actor did good pretending. But in in the case of this movie, you wrote a damn paper. (laughs) You wrote an entire paper on this film. So... I'm not quite sure what to expect. Uh, so what did you think of the movie?
1: <laughs> well, I'm glad you gave me that introduction because it's not going to be that good. No. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I wrote um, an essay for this at university. I did a, a bit of a film course and I loved this film um, from like an analytical point of view. I thought it was really, really interesting. But it's, it's weird because the first time I saw it, I didn't really like it. Oh, um, okay. I kind of felt like, nothing was happening until right at the end. I was like, right. Come on, I mean, it's, it's over two hours long. You're kind of waiting for stuff to happen. And I'm really glad that I re watched it for this podcast because I'd kind of gone back to that memory of it not being very good. Even though oh, really? I'd seen it a few times, I was like, oh, eh. I, I might not watch it because I've seen it so many times. But I sat down to watch it the other day and I just noticed things in it that I wouldn't have noticed if I didn't know what the ending was. <laughs> so, you know, when you, it's like things like Shutter Island or something where there's a big yep. twist at the end or something's yep. revealed and then you watch it again and it's basically. A different film.
0: Sure, sure, sure.
1: Um, so I, I kind of wanted to go through a few of the things that I picked up yeah. and see if you noticed them, um, which I thought could be quite fun.
0: Let's do it, yeah.
1: So obviously, The twist at the end of um, the neighbours and all their friends being Satanists and controlling Rosemary through Guy uh, is revealed. But one of the first things I noticed was when Minnie comes to speak to Rosemary um, when she's by herself. You know, she's always kind of talking, 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 and she kind of bombards her with with questions. Oh, yeah. So it kind of disarms her a little bit. While Minnie's leaving, she picks up um, the letters on the floor outside the door Mm -hmm. uh, to give to Rosemary. She's like, oh, your mail's here. And she puts a red envelope on the top with her other hand and hands them all to Rosemary. Did you notice that?
0: No, I remember the scene you're talking about, but I don't remember the adding of the the additional envelope.
1: Because I reckon that envelope is uh, there kind of trying to get guy to maybe explaining to guy what their plan is basically
0: Oh. because i
1: think it must be addressed to guy because we never see it again
0: oh right i i thought maybe the the plan was divulged to guy when um you know when guy meets the 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 old man from next to i forget his Mm. name now and then Uh, roman roman that's it and then you know the the, you know the 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 men are in one room and the women go separately I just assumed maybe the plan was divulged to Guy at that point
1: yeah I did think that as well because um they're having a cigarette together I think in a scene and Guy has a really weird look on his face when Rosemary and Minnie come back in the room and so I thought but there must be a reason why she gave them that letter and it wasn't Rosemary because we follow Rosemary the whole time
0: Oh, interesting. Because when
1: you see point. it, it's quite blatant that she puts this letter on the top. I watched it again to make sure. And it, it's kind of, um, it looks a bit old. Like it's a red, bright red letter with like uh, calligraphy handwriting on it. So oh, I thought that was quite interesting. I was like, hmm.
0: Yeah, because um, yeah, because prior to the neighbours coming over for dinner or whatever it was, mm. or do they go over to the neighbours? I forget which Yeah,
1: they go, over to the neighbors. they go
0: to the neighbours. They go to the neighbours, yeah. Guy was quite adamant that he just wanted to stay home and didn't want to do anything yeah, but true. then once that interaction happens then the next day suddenly he's like yeah. best friends with with the neighbors
1: yeah. yeah true I wonder what that I really want to know what that envelope was about
0: yeah, yeah. it's like
1: such a quick little thing another thing that I um I saw and I don't know if you noticed it but um when Minnie calls Abe Saperstein on the phone in Rosemary and Guy's apartment uh, to ask if he'll be her obstetrician, um, she's speaking really loud on the phone, saying, "Oh yes, you, oh that's great, you know, da, 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 whatever." And then at the end, she kind of lowers her voice and goes, "No, no, not at all," and then puts the phone down. Right. And I reckon on the other end of the phone, Abe's saying, "Does she suspect anything?" or something like that, because she actually <laughs> said she's like, "No, no, not at all," but it's it's different from the rest of the conversation. So I feel like watching it again, I was like, ah. They're they're talking about it at that point, point. Um, and Rosemary's right there and doesn't realize. You kind of okay. want to shout through the screen.
0: Yeah, I can already tell you've hugely benefited from a second viewing of this film because you're, yeah. you're you're picking out things that I just didn't think of because this was the the very first time I'd ever seen this. Oh yeah. What annoyed the hell out of me is nothing to do with the movie at all. Is so I rented it from Amazon, mm. so I paid the two ninety nine or three ninety nine, whatever it was. I mean that wasn't the annoying part. That was fine. <laughs> <laughs> the annoying part was that the, the, the plot twist is given away in the description of the movie. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the description is only like two lines or whatever. You know, if you hold up one sec, I'll pull up what the description was. Did, did you did you get it from Amazon or where, where did you oh get God, it I got
1: it from Amazon. It's kind of what we were saying in the episode of Greta where um, the trailer of a film gives away the whole thing. Oh. Why would you write in the summary of a film that clearly people are buying or renting because they haven't seen it?
0: now now you tell me if this is if you feel like this is a spoiler so this is the description on amazon the story of a loving young new york city couple who are expecting their first child like most first-time mothers rosemary experiences confusion and fear her husband an ambitious but unsuccessful actor makes a pact with the devil (laughs) and promises to send his uh which promises to send his career skyward what? That's in I mean, the damn description.
1: That That's actually really annoying because I feel like the whole point of this film in some ways is to make you second guess whether Rosemary is going exactly. crazy or not. And so knowing from the beginning that she wasn't, I mean...
0: Yeah, so when it was revealed towards the end of the film, I was like, oh, this was meant to be a twist. I was like, oh, okay, (laughs) I kind of saw it coming, so it's kind of
1: a... That annoys me so much because there's so many bits of it that were subtly referencing the fact that Guy's involved. Like, he keeps leaving the apartment at really weird times, like, I'm going to go and get an ice cream or... Yeah, yeah. yeah for absolutely i'm gonna go get a newspaper um and it's always when he needs to go and tell the cast of vets something you know like um hutch has come over or uh, rosemary's reading that book you know it's always at those times where he's like oh gotta go and it could be that he literally just went out to get something. But because you've read the description, you're like, well, obviously he's going to talk to the cast of vets. That's so yeah. annoying.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah. So like going into the movie, knowing what the twist at the end was, yeah, was massively annoying. And so some of the, the bits that were meant to probably be, be subtle were just kind of like obvious obvious and stupid and just felt yeah. very amateurish and whatnot. But that was obviously knowing what the twist was going to be at the end.
1: Yeah, that that's so annoying. And I mean, I don't know about you, but the saddest part of the fact that Guy was in on it was that remember at the party that um rosemary throws for her friends yeah there's like a bit where they're talking about the actor who went blind i can't remember his name that guy took the role from um and they say oh apparently he's writing scripts and he's getting really good at it even though he's blind yeah and so like the saddest part is that guy doesn't isn't guy doesn't even get the fame he wants the other man who's gone blind is still doing really well without his sight (laughs) It's just like yeah, yeah, he yeah, famous without it because he's probably a really good actor and he doesn't need to give up his firstborn child like Guy does. I mean, that's a bit extreme to be an actor.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's a really good point. Yeah, so it's kind of it kind of reminds me of um, those kind of time travely movies which try to have a moral where they're like, it doesn't matter how many times you travel back in time, everything finds a way of fixing itself. Or yeah, what were your kind of just general overall thoughts of the movie?
1: So I suppose. I I really like it because I could notice all the little things that I thought, if you hadn't seen it before and you hadn't seen the summary, Mm. um, you'd have to watch again to see. I think think the film may have been a bit too long. That's kind of my only gripe with it overall was that I understand the pacing and I think it was actually an amazingly paced film. Um, But you know, when you start to lose interest a little bit at certain points and you think, okay, um, maybe if it was condensed a little bit, I could have kind of kept that interest. Um, But overall... I left that film feeling, yeah, I think this is a really good one. It's not, it's very different from The Conjuring and the other films that we've been doing. You know, there's no shock, there's no horror. It's all psychological. I think the only thing that was remotely scary was that terrible scene where Rosemary's at her wits end and her pain wearing that red um, dress thing. And she's so pale and so skinny. And she just starts laughing because the pain goes and she sits in this chair, this tiny frail woman. I mean, that really creeped me out. (laughs) Because it was just so horrible to watch. But apart from that, it's a completely different type of horror. What What did you think?
0: Yeah, yeah, just kind of like high level thoughts. Like, um, I mean, I really like kind of old movies, especially mm. movies from like the sixties, seventies, and eighties. Because like when I was a kid, those were the kind of those were the movies that were always on TV. And um, something about, especially movies from the sixties, there's this kind of dreamy quality to them. this kind of otherworldliness, mm. just purely on a on a visual kind of uh, level. And um, yeah, I really like them. I really like old movies like this. I, I couldn't quite get over the insane amount of kind of cigarette smoking in the movie. <laughs> it's like, I could almost like taste the tobacco and the ashes. Like there was so much cigarette smoking. And uh, yeah, I was like, I was like, starting to panic. Like, oh crap, what if the ash falls onto the couch or the carpet? Mm-hmm. It's going to be a nightmare to clean. And
1: <laughs> in her beautiful white house that she's painted everything white. Uh, like.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I suppose just because there's like, you know, smoking is less... In less acceptable in movies these days and TVs either. So the so the so the you know the it was quite jarring to see that again. Um, yeah,
1: I I definitely think that um 60s films that were actually set and filmed in the 60s mm. it does give it that kind of quality, doesn't it? It's not like somebody's pretending to be in the 60s. No, you actually get to see glimpses of the fashion and the city and things yes. like that. But it's like a little moment of history.
0: You you you've you've just like touched on a on a on a point that I was going to make. Um. Like, there's something about being shot in the 60s, for example. So exactly what you just mentioned. But the the film did feel like a time capsule almost. Yeah. And, um, I mean, I really liked seeing New York. It was New York. Yeah, definitely it was New York. Yeah. Yeah. I like seeing how it was in the 60s because it's just like the thing with these kind of like down to earth type movies that aren't like kind of hyper real or supernatural. Yeah, so these movies are kind of like history texts almost and uh, mm-hmm. they kind of capture history in a, in a way that a book can't. And um, yes, yeah, so I, I I kind of appreciate that. And, um, uh, you know, the bit where she's uh, where Rosemary's outside waiting for her friend uh, Hutch mm-hmm. uh, in the background, you could see the sign for radio city hall i think it is Mm. and i was like i've been there i know the exact spot in new i know the exact spot in new york where she was standing like i've been to new york so many times i mean i got married in new york it's kind of like oh sorry one just started barking again (laughs) But yeah, so it's just so cool seeing how different it was in the 60s. That
1: is so cool. Like, if you went back, you'd be like, oh, that's where Rosemary sat waiting for Hutch.
0: That's why
1: she walked across the (laughs) road without looking, which almost (laughs) gave me a heart attack. It was just walks (laughs) across the road at the end.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think that was done for real, actually. Really? Yeah, 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 yeah. So Roman Polanski, I think he he held the camera because I don't think the cameraman wanted to do it. Right. So, uh, yeah, he's told Rosemary uh, or uh, Mia Farrow, like, no one's going to hit a pregnant lady. Just do it.
1: What? And
0: uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, she just walked. He held the camera and they and they got it.
1: And they did it. Did they yeah. do it in one shot? In one take?
0: I presume so.
1: So they come up, right, let's do that again. She just keeps <laughs> having to do it over and over again until yeah. the lighting's right.
0: <laughs> run back the other way
1: wow things that people do for art honestly
0: yeah yeah but i like the fact the fact that the film was very grounded in reality and it Mm -hmm. wasn't overtly grim or creepy it kind of so so like unlike other horror movies we've watched this one isn't like a ghost house type movie but i think the horror kind of comes from like the paranoia of and and not just from the characters within the movie but i think also as a as a viewer too i think you can kind of relate to to rosemary's journey in this film
1: yeah absolutely i feel like it's psychological not just for rosemary but for us because you know in the end when she's supposed to be angry she's supposed to be upset and the people around her the satanists just don't get it They're like yeah. but- but you're his father. You're his mother. And why would you be upset? Just drink your tea. And it's like you're shouting at the screen. Like, does nobody understand that you've <laughs> taken her child? You know, as a guy who was like, "We're gonna have a great life. You can have another baby." It just makes you think, "Oh my god, is this whole world just n- not what it's what it's supposed to be?" It's just oh. So yeah, I feel like it's a horror in a completely different way than a visual horror that we we've been used to for the last few films.
0: Yeah, it's it's stuff that could uh yeah terrify you in real life, like if your kid was taken from you that is that is horror like yeah it absolutely
1: is horror it's real world horror yeah so um acting and casting what did you think of it
0: oh man when I first turned the movie on I was I remember explicitly thinking in probably the first 10 or 15 minutes like I wrote down the note uh performances are incredibly wooden (laughs) Mm. and uh yeah it just felt everything felt very staged and very wooden and very artificial and I was thinking this 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 reads or this is I think I've said this before on numerous podcasts but it all felt very much like a stage play yeah and um but once you kind of get into the flow of it and I felt like I kind of almost had to submit to the movie a little bit just to kind of accept it I was kind of like look I have to get through this two-hour movie so just just shut up and just deal with it that's that's i was telling myself like that but once you kind of give into it 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 kind of works and um i thought uh mia farrow as rosemary you know at first i found her gentleness and kind of calmness if that's even a word like a little bit annoying a little bit and um but as as the movie progressed, I kind of accepted her a bit more, and uh, I thought her kind of decline from gentleness to whatever the I don't even know what the word is for what she the journey she goes through. I thought that was mm-hmm. quite wonderful, and I thought she did an amazing job. I remember reading up somewhere where her performance uh, not getting a nomination for an Oscar that year or something was like considered to be quite a snub at the time. Yeah, I don't uh, know. Yeah, and uh, I thought Guy, uh, so her husband, played by John Cassavetes, I he gave a pretty incredible performance actually. Yeah. Um, not that I think it'll be nominated for an Oscar. I mean, I don't know if it was actually, but I disliked his character so much. I thought, okay, that's a sign of a job well done, I think, because yeah. I think he he played it like that, and I thought he did a pretty good job. Uh, what did you think of the, the performances?
1: Well, I mean, the first thing I just wanted to say was the fact that Cast and what's what's uh the actor that plays Casavetes? I think. Cassavetes, they look so similar on paper. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, did they name it after this guy? Actually, I had to Google it. I was like, is this some sort of reference? I just thought it was a weird coincidence yeah. um, I completely agree with you I feel like I don't know whether it was something about the pacing of the film like I was saying earlier but at the beginning there seemed to be quite a lot of silences between uh, Rosemary and Guy which made it feel a bit awkward yeah. like yeah. It, like their relationship was and maybe that's exactly what it was trying to show was that their relationship wasn't perfect and that I don't know it felt surface level for a lot of it um, okay. when they were moving in there wasn't this kind of warm excitement no, it was kind no, of no, only no, coming no. from Rosemary. And I, I guess that, yeah, that just shows that I mean clearly any man who would possibly even think about doing what um Guy did to Rosemary isn't the best guy. Uh, <laughs> not even close. Um, so I, I agree with you. There was like a little bit of woodenness, but I think it just warmed up as the characters developed and as we realized who they were supposed to be portraying. You know, Guy is supposed to be disconnected and distant and rosemary is like you said gentle and almost subservient a lot of the time because she's being put down yes by um and that starts to develop and then you realize yeah this is what the relationship is yeah um, even though they were trying to show a lovely loving couple at the beginning you realize very quickly that that's not what what this is um yeah.
0: no 100 <laughs> i think you hit the nail on the head there did, did you have, um, like, a scene you liked or maybe just the uh, things you liked about the movie in general?
1: Yeah, I had two things that I really liked, actually. Um, one of them was the dream sequences and the drug se- drugged sequences that Rosemary right. Drews through. Sure. Um, I thought those were... Incredible, and for the only reason being, is it felt like a real dream. So, I'm just thinking about the first dream sequence, or um, well, a bit of both, I suppose it's completely silent in the dream, and then there's a breathing of Guy next to her, or there's a ticking of a clock on her bedside table. And that contrast between a completely silent um, dreamscape mm. and bits of the real world really made me feel like the dreams were real, or as in the dreams were showing real dreams how we have them sure sure Um, just fragments and and, um, fragments and the fact that there are two worlds happening at once there's your dreaming that you're also still here you know yeah yeah, Um, yeah. I really like those and I think the the scene where Rosemary gets drugged and she kind of goes in and out of consciousness it's just so clever the pacing of it the silence of it um was really really interesting and I I I actually really enjoyed that and I thought wow if somebody had thought of that and thought what is a dream because it's so hard to think of what dreams are when you're not sure sure. and I actually think that this is probably one of the best portrayals of dream sequences that I've seen where I felt like yeah this could be how it really is yeah
0: Um, considering the time period the movie was made and it was pretty impressive
1: Mm. yeah it's the only time they did any kind of CGI as well didn't they because there was a bit where Rosemary was still on the bed but the bed was in the water it was in the ocean
0: oh yeah yeah yeah
1: Um, and so it's that fragmented reality of things that's real she is in the bed but she's obviously not on the ocean no, and no then you know she's in a boat full of people and then the people are naked and then she's naked and it's it, you know it's going along with what's happening in reality uh, while she's drugged and I just thought yeah it was a really cool way of showing the dream sequences um And then the other thing that I really liked was we never saw the baby's face. or We never saw the baby at all.
0: Um, At the end of the film, yeah.
1: At the end of the film. So I can't remember what they called him. I can't remember. Um, But I just thought that was a really good choice. A, because anything that could have been created in the 60s with CGI for his you know uh, demonic eyes and things like that probably wouldn't be very good and it would have been a bit underwhelming anyway.
0: Yeah yeah Um, Uh, sometimes it's more um, powerful when things are kind of left to the imagination. Exactly
1: and it just forces the audience to craft their own vision of what the baby would look like.
0: Yeah they did momentarily have this kind of um, overlay kind of brief glimpse of the devil they showed his eyes for a brief moment so you just kind of because that's literally juxtaposed is the word juxtaposed the word yeah Uh, at the same time at the you know when the the baby's happening it kind of tricks the viewer's mind thinking that that might be what the baby looked like or something so
1: exactly and her reaction as well like we see we can make up what the baby looks like from I think an incredible reaction from Mia Farrow um, of just complete shock and disgust (laughs) in the first instance, and then that kind of slowly melting away and her motherly instincts taking over. It was so powerful. I think the ending was really interesting, and her rocking the baby properly, um, yeah, I thought that that was really a, a good stylistic uh, choice to not show the the baby
0: uh I mean just to add to what you what you said I kept thinking that she was going to maybe use that knife she held to kill the baby or something I thought that was going to happen but it didn't obviously go that way so
1: I know part of me was like oh you can't you can't do it but I mean it is Satan's child <laughs> <isn't> he? oh, <laughs> <I'm gonna laughs> he's easy. the antichrist but this <laughs> baby and also the woman who was rocking the baby. Oh, she annoyed me so much. She oh. was so horrible. She was like rocking him so hard. Um, and she was really mean to Rosemary. And oh God, should've... she should have used the knife on her to
0: be honest. <laughs> no, no, I remember. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. Specifically, I remember being very annoyed at that character. And then as she walks past Rosemary, she kind of sticks her tongue out at Rosemary. I was that like, what?
1: <laughs> a child.
0: Oh, what the hell was that? It's just, um, yeah.
1: I know. So what about you? Did you have any favourite scenes?
0: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Not, not really favorite scenes, but a few kind of observations that I kind of liked in the movie. Um, it just generally, like I, I did, I appreciate the creepy tone that that kind of ran throughout the movie. You know, despite no, despite kind of having read the description and the spoilers of the movie, you know, within the Amazon description, I still kind of didn't really know what was going to happen. And mm. and um, yeah, so yeah, I, I did appreciate that, and I and I liked that Rosemary. You know this character goes through that journey but she doesn't know who to trust you know who mm-hmm. not to trust so yeah so i i do enjoy uh movies by this director called alan pacula and he made a, a number of kind of like movies that center around paranoia and whatnot throughout like i think mm-hmm. late 60s and early 70s or whatever so whenever i do come across a movie that's especially set during that kind of cold war period or whatever mm-hmm you know any kind of paranoia is kind of right up my right up my mm-hmm. alley really so I kind of um, liked um, you know when the doctor was kind of telling her not to read books or anything mm-hmm. you know I just kind of felt like you know she's like you know a female who's trying to be educated or whatever mm-hmm. and someone in a position of power or authority is telling her you know not to read books or I don't yeah. know maybe there was some kind of message about some kind of oppression there or whatever
1: yeah, definitely. I mean, it's it's taking away a woman's autonomy to decide for herself what's best for her and her body. Like she's forced to go through this pain for so long because yeah. because men are telling her to to just deal with it. Absolutely. And yeah, and blocking people off from their friends as well. It's just terrible.
0: No, no, 100%. And I and, I, and, I, and I, I I did enjoy the bit where she kind of kind of cut her hair and I felt like maybe she was trying to take some control back there. Yeah. And a ownership of her looks and, you know, but that you know, despite that kind of attempt to kind of take back that control like everyone in her life all the all the guys in her life are telling me that haircut looks stupid you know yeah. what have you done to your hair i hate it and I, I don't know was there do you think there was something about her kind of maybe trying to look a bit more masculine or whatever and maybe the men are annoyed by that or they find it threatening or something
1: yeah i i I definitely think it's possible i think it definitely like you said it shows that she's trying to take back control because one of the only things she can control is her appearance she can't control her finances she can't really control what's happening to her baby because of her doctor and i suppose one of the only things she can do is yeah the way she dresses and the way that she does her hair um and like you said guy and everybody else in her life saying that they hate her hair yeah. it just pushes her down and, and makes her more subservient from her little tiny rebellious um <laughs> you know not even rebellious um Action that she took and then her reading The book later on witches. you know She's doing the opposite of what the doctor Wanted her to do she's reading books Yes it's not about babies but she's Reading books that give her the knowledge that she needs To equip herself as best as she can um, And so I think Yeah it just it shows that importance of being able to um, have autonomy over yourself and be able to make decisions for yourself
0: yeah no 100% that yeah that was kind of um, as a viewer that, that those were the thoughts kind of running through my head and and I, I'm kind of almost glad that I watched this movie now at the age I am now and knowing what I know now about just you know everything really and um, because i think if i watched this as a teen i might not have appreciated it as much or maybe those kind of those messages about oppression and autonomy may not have been so obvious to me when i was when i was younger so i mean what was extra kind of i don't know quite, quite painful i suppose about watching it was it just i think i'm sure everyone knows someone like this but i i you know, know someone. You know, you know a female that you know. I kind of watched them begin a very kind of strong, confident person, and in real time, like over the number of years, you know, watched her kind of confidence be stripped away. You know, by manipulation, and you know, it's just you know, you know, being reduced to someone who's now very dependent. And you know, is that still the case right now? And you know, they kind of do have these kind of you know chains around them almost you know so it was kind of a a bit too real yeah it's kind of a it was a bit devastating really so watching it happen in the movie but so so I ended up just putting that person's face on Mm -hmm. the Rosemary character throughout the movie so so I think kind of um yeah so it was a bit hard to watch and it is someone that's close to me. So it's kind of, um. so like when Rosemary did start taking control back, you know, and, um, you know, when she started, when she wanted to host her own party without all those old yeah. people. And she was like, only young people allowed. You have to be under 60 to attend. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. You know, when the old lady from next door, you know, turns up and then she kicks her out and. Um,
1: oh, it's the best. Isn't yeah. It?
0: She didn't drink the potion. It just felt kind yeah. of amazing really. And um, it kind of, I don't know that it, it was like, I think that was the first point in the movie where I felt like a deep, deeper connection to rosemary's character and wanted to kind mm-hmm. of wanted her to win and just pull out a machine gun and kill herself. So
1: <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i agree i think it's um there is a vindication but then one of the questions i always asked myself was why did she end up you know kind of accepting uh her fate in the end and i really do think that she was manipulated so much and she was so out of control Of her life that Mm. she was kind of just groomed to become someone who um couldn't take control for themselves and it was so sad to watch and to know that like you say there are real world examples of that all the time and this is just um an example of that
0: yeah no I think you're 100% right and anyone that did try to make an effort to help her was you know pruned from her life yeah but then there was no she was trapped every direction she went in all the the figures and of of authority that she could trust like the doctors the two doctors both betrayed her and even the doctor she thought was the good guy turned out
1: Yeah. it's frustrating the isolation and the the feeling that you're going mad when you're absolutely not it must be
0: terrible. Oh man, yeah. Yeah, that there's definitely a, 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 a lot of gaslighting going on in the movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought the uh, just some other kind of things I thought were pretty cool in the movie were like um you know the bit where they both first move into the apartment and they're sitting on the floor and they're having their takeaway or whatever they're eating their yeah. takeaway. And then guy just looks at her and goes, "Let's make love." Yeah. And then, um, and then they just, the camera just stays on them and they're just, they're just undressing really awkwardly for what feels like about two or three minutes. Or the,
1: in, in silence. In <laughs>
0: silence, yeah. And I was just like, this is brilliant. Like, uh, it's yeah. just an awkward, there's no, there's no, it, there's nothing glamorous about it or anything. And that uh, I, I thought it was pretty cool. And
1: probably much closer to real life than normal Hollywood sex scenes. Yes. Um that yeah, I, I made a note about that. I was like, why is this scene so long and so quiet? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it was kind of yeah, you're right. It was awkward, it was unusual, and in in a in a way the realism was pretty refreshing to be honest.
1: Yeah,
0: so. yeah. Yeah um you know the bit where um where uh rosemary is reading the the witch uh book mm-hmm. and i think hutch tells her something like the name is an anagram or, or yeah. something you know that whole se- that whole sequence I, I i like those kinds of scenes in movies where the where the hero or whatever is trying to piece something together and they're trying to solve a puzzle
1: I yeah they are figuring it out
0: Yeah, I mean, it wasn't like super high end in this movie or it wasn't massively intriguing, but just those kind of sequences in general in movie when, you know, like the Columbo or the detective is trying to piece all the evidence together i thought it was pretty cool Uh, i don't really have much to kind of comment on it but i i I liked it but the thing that you know in what happens in direct opposition to that scene is when she does kind of find out you know what's up that the neighbors are really you know witches or whatever Hmm. Is she then tries to confide in her husband directly after that you know and just knowing that she wants to confide in him and kind of like spill her guts to him but as a viewer knowing that it's futile and it's just like he's not on your side he's just going to report it directly back to them
1: it's so and it's it's also really creepy at any time guy and rosemary talk about the baby as well because guy knows what the baby is the whole time oh, like there's yeah. a scene where she says oh he's kicking or uh the baby's kicking and guy won't touch her
0: well yeah. It's like,
1: oh, yeah we know and it just makes it all more creepy because he's just able to live his life knowing what's happening to his wife oh. Horrible.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I would hate to be in that kind of relationship, to be honest. But
1: yeah, well, hopefully that can never happen.
0: I'm just going f- to hope not.
1: <laughs> cross my fingers.
0: There's um, something, so when we were watching the movie, there's something Jess mentioned whilst we were watching the movie. There's always this little nugget of wisdom she drops randomly yeah. kind of thing. So I always try my best to note it and, like, bring it into the podcast mm-hmm. or something. And um, she said something like, "When uh, you know when Rosemary disposes of that necklace? Mm-hmm. I think in a subsequent scene, you see Rosemary wearing, like, a pearl earring. Oh, yeah. And, um, um, I mean, I don't know how accurate this is, but it was, I think it was from, google or something uh, but i think in the bible or something like the, the wearing that pearl earring is like representative of like purity integrity and loyalty wow. so i think maybe you know de- yeah getting detaching from that necklace is um, mm-hmm. I, I, I think it might just be a visual metaphor than than anything yeah, directly linked to the
1: protection isn't it like it, yeah being able to throw away the thing that's evil and to do something to try and keep your um keep you safe yeah, that's so interesting. I did not ch- I did not catch that.
0: Neither did I. Neither did I. <laughs> I think she may have been um yeah just uh, did a quick google search when she'd spotted it yeah
1: um
0: yeah oh, I, it just uh, an, an, another thing was um in the movie as the movie progressed everyone kept complaining about how hot it was and the temperatures mm-hmm. and i just wondered if it was like is it because of the coming of the antichrist hell was coming to earth and oh, temperatures
1: yeah <laughs> oh yeah well i thought that about it being 1966 so oh, 666 66 year one yeah
0: well. Oh, well, it was I... June the 6th, 1966.
1: Oh, so it literally was 6. Yeah, yeah, I think it was intentional. Ah, that I makes <laughs> <up>. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, Well, I've always thought um, films that represent have lots of heat. I think another really good example is. Um, Great Gatsby, um, where a a film kind of has a character of heat. It has its own kind of character development. As the film progresses, the heat becomes more oppressive. And I wonder whether it kind of shows the oppression felt by Rosemary and the kind of panic she's feeling as it rises. As the temperature rises, you know, it comes to a crescendo right when she's figuring everything out and she's running around New York, really getting hotter and hotter. And I think it just kind of adds to that stress and pressure that we feel feel for the characters and we can see it physically with the characters yeah Um, i think heat is such a powerful tool in films to make the audience understand something like isolation or about pressure or Um, excitement and things like that, I find the weather very um very symbolic.
0: Yeah, because it's something that runs in the background and isn't immediately obvious to the viewer, but I think it's something that sits in their subconscious throughout the movie. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so it's kind of like it's almost a part, it's almost as important as the vis that the the set, for example, the the visuals, Mm -hmm. like just yeah, I think you're right.
1: So was there anything that you didn't like about Rosemary's baby?
0: There were loads of things I didn't like about (laughs) Rosemary's Baby. <laughs> yeah, but I, but I think I think a lot of it was actually it was a part of the story, and I think it's probably I mean things I didn't like were probably designed for me not to like or the viewer right. not to like. I suppose if you did like it, then these bits then maybe it says more about you than it does about the <laughs> movie. So yeah, there was just little things like when um you know when a guy essentially is he essentially rapes
1: uh Rosemary. Yeah.
0: In the movie, doesn't he? And yeah. at the end, like the next morning, she wakes up and I think she's questioning, like, did mm-hmm. you make love to me last night or whatever? Yeah,
1: yeah. And he was
0: them. Yeah. Yeah. That was such a that was such a weird scene. And he says something like something like, Well, you know, I had to do it anyway, because we were, you know, yeah, we like I did in day the day midst of
1: life. something. Oh
0: yeah and he says something like oh it kind of i kind of felt like a necrophile or something
1: i know oh, what
0: the really... hell man like yeah. the whole rapishness of the entire thing was just yeah. massively uncomfortable and just the way he treat like guy t- treats it so casually and so I know. Real, like he was just so okay with it and rosemary was clearly uncomfortable with it but i think maybe she probably felt like an expectation on her as as a as an obedient wife you know that yeah. she was okay with it
1: yeah it all feeds into to that doesn't it i think oh god that was such a horrible scene to watch especially as a modern audience as well you know just knowing that that's not okay and that's not normal um and yeah his blasé attitude to it i think that's kind of what this film was going for wasn't it we, we're supposed to hate guy by the oh, end but yeah, not really yeah. know why well obviously we know why but not like he is outwardly physically horrible yeah. or that he is satan it's like he's almost worse to me he's worse than the demon character or any of the other characters, really, because of the way he treats his wife. Yes. And I think it's just really telling.
0: Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think he... I, yeah, I would actually put him on a higher level as a villain than the Satan worshippers, actually. because yeah, I would. Be the, yeah, because he was meant to be the... The closest person, mm-hmm. I mean, he's Rosemary's damn husband, he's supposed to be the closest, like her best friend, he's supposed to be. But yeah, and just like afterwards, when you know, when the baby's born and you know, she finds out that it, it had died, she, it you know, it was born, it was still born or something, mm-hmm. and then he's he, guy starts talking to her like everything's normal, like it's okay, honey, you know, you had the postpartum or the prepartum crazies, like you oh, know,
1: oh god, oh, we can have a new we can have one again soon, yeah. and he like goes off to work or something, or he, yeah, like she hasn't even night. come to
0: with the loss of a child and he's always yeah. saying, yeah, don't worry, it's all good, man. We'll try again next time. Yeah.
1: And I think that just builds that kind of feeling, that rage inside the audience, doesn't it? Like this this isn't okay and also that feeling of are we all going mad are we missing something like why is everybody being, why is everybody being so normal about it or kind of with rosemary completely at that point
0: yes absolutely absolutely i think my the, the my biggest kind of dislike in this movie isn't really a dislike it's more of a maybe an improvement i think that can be made to the movie and i haven't really really fully thought this through but so like with the with like the doctor being the bad guy, you know, the um sapistine, for example, and same with like the husband, you know, is you know. Um, I kind of wish the film was cut in a way where maybe that wasn't super obvious to the audience and maybe at least give the illusion that the doctor and the husband are on Rosemary's side Yeah. and um, maybe cutting out that dream sequence that had the devil in it and all the neighbours and everything I probably would have cut that out actually and um, I think it would have been more powerful if these revelations of you know of like the neighbours being witches like we found that if we found that out at the same time Rosemary Did yeah, and what would I think would have been a more would have been a better movie is if the entire movie we start to think that maybe maybe Rosemary's losing her mind here, and um, yeah, I think that would have been better. And then when she's just doing that, running around the city at the end, you know, Mm. jumping in the taxi, seeing the different doctors and because the bit where she's talking to Dr. Hill, I think it is, and, you know, trying Mm. to convince him that it would have been cool if if we as an audience thought, oh, poor Rosemary, she's lost her mind. Yeah. At the end, when she goes into that room with all the Satan worshippers holding the knife and that's all revealed. Mm-hmm. you know because the camera moves very slowly and just sees everyone sitting down and you see the upside down crucifix and the yeah. i don't know do you see a black cat i might be making that up yeah. i don't no, remember there was a
1: black cat yeah
0: yeah but then that would have been like the wow moment that would have been mm-hmm. the the twist but I think the I don't know, I think that would have made for a better movie. Maybe it can be cut that way. Maybe with the existing footage that's there, you can, someone enthusiastic goes out there and just chops it up and edits it's, it, maybe.
1: Yeah, no, I totally agree. That's what I was going to say as well about what I didn't like about the film. Especially- Oh, really? The, like, yeah, like the chanting and things like that through the wall. Yeah. I felt like that was such an obvious, and it was really early on. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. What else could they be chanting? You know, <sighs> maybe making it a bit subtler. I completely agree. I think- um, I was completely on Rosemary's side all the way through. And I think that you could still keep in the scenes where she's reading the witch's books and she's kind of. Yes discovering the anagram and things like that because you could always be doubting it and you could say well how we haven't got any evidence for this there's only been like a few small things um because like her pregnancy is very subtle when it went about the fact that something's not right yeah it could be that she's having a really hard pregnancy and it could have just stayed that way um and yeah i completely agree that we should have found out when she did and have a oh my god we've been tricked
0: yeah, you just made me think right now. So what they should have done was they should have made Dr. Hill out to be some kind of amateur doctor that doesn't know what he's doing. Right. They should have made Hutch out to be like a bad influence friend.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like where the audience roots against him, like oh Rosemary, cut this guy out of your life. And they should have made yeah, the neighbors... even though he's
1: right, we should yeah. think he's wrong. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And they should have made the neighbors rather than these annoying people that keep knocking on their door. Cause I just I was like, we are like okay. they should have made them very likable characters. Mm-hmm.
1: Do you reckon? See, I think they should have. They shouldn't have been likable. I think because we could have maybe understood that the reason why she thinks that there's something wrong is that she doesn't necessarily like them because they're a bit annoying. Yeah. So maybe just tone down how invasive Minnie was. Yeah,
0: but, it was a bit exaggerated, wasn't it? Like
1: it was. I mean, I thought Minnie's character was brilliant in her own right. I thought I've never seen a character that annoys me so much. <laughs> I think probably uh, good acting, good acting skills. Yeah. Um because yeah every time she came in I think she was just trying to distract Rosemary by talking 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 you know drink this eat this yeah. and she doesn't have time to process what's actually happening but yeah you're right if they if they toned it down uh maybe making Roman someone that we dislike because he was kind of verging on the edge anyway yeah, yeah. um at, you know and then having Minnie as somebody that yeah you kind of like, yeah,
0: I I, yeah I think you've touched on something pretty cool there like because I've watched a number of these kind of hit and hypnotism kind of documentaries or whatever oh, yeah. or, or when a hypnotist says how they do it and I think it is with these kind of sharp out of the blue actions mm-hmm. which catch people off guard and put susceptible people into a much more willing and obedient state and I think when she does yeah. all that kind of you know a lot of hand movements I'll drink this oh how are you how much does this cost I think yeah. it probably does put Rosemary in a, in a kind of a more obedient state yeah no I agree yes yeah, so I Um, so with Rosemary's baby I hear, I hear this movie and the phrase satanic panic quite frequently mm-hmm. in you know what people say and what I've read mm-hmm. um I don't know too much about this topic is there anything you could shed light on
1: yeah so I kind of went down a rabbit hole a little bit with Rosemary's Baby and the satanism aspect of it um, and I found some really interesting links, actually, between Rosemary's Baby and the Satanic Panic, which was a great name, by the way, whoever called it.
0: <laughs> it rhymes.
1: It, it rhymes. And it's, yeah, it's just satisfying. Um, so the Satanic Panic was in the 80s. And this film was obviously late 60s. Um, but there's a lot of influences, I think, within this film, which kind of started the, the road towards Satanic Panic. Oh, wow. um in the 80s and before we start i mean <laughs> there are so many different types of satanists and the ones that i'm talking about now are very kind of stereotypical satanists from a very particular sect and there are satanists who just you know believe in um autonomy of the self and things like that i think it's it's so easy to think of satanism, satanism as kind of like cloaks and things like that but that's not it, always true but with the satanic panic that's exactly what they were tapping into um so I do think that this film is, like we were talking about before, it's much more about an oppressive and abusive patriarchy and control over women than it is about Satanism itself. It feels like Satanism is the symbol that's used to be able to portray the patriarchy and the power dynamics between women being seen as kind of second-class citizens that are only used as objects to better the men around them um but even if satanism is just a symbol of that um i read quite a few interesting pieces around it oh, yeah. which i kind of wanted to discuss so satanism through the church of satan which was founded by anton LaVey, uh, was founded. See the guy with by
0: that weird mustache
1: the with the bald with the goatee yeah
0: oh yeah <laughs> The most very iconic image yeah. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. And he's always got these kind of pentagrams and things behind him. So he founded the church in 1966, the same year that this film is based. Um, And the church itself kind of preaches self-reliance and individualism. But the the thing that LaVey tried to portray was that there's no Satan in the church of Satan. There isn't actually a devil. It's just a belief in yourself as the higher power. So already, Rosemary's Baby is diverging from what? The Church of Satan actually believes in, um, which isn't the devil, that the devil is basically just a symbol for oneself and autonomy of the self.
0: That wouldn't be obvious to me. In my head, I would think if someone said Church of Satan, I would think they sit around in their cloaks sacrificing a goat, worshipping the devil.
1: Or yeah. something. <laughs> well, interesting you say that because that is exactly the reason why. Anton Levey was actually obsessed with this film because it didn't show Satanists as what you think. Um, it showed them as kind of normal people. Like, they never really dressed in cloaks. I mean, there was a bit where they were naked, but they were basically just ordinary people, um, weren't wearing black hoods yeah. and sacrificing ghosts, goats, like you were saying. Um, so Anton LaVey actually loved this film because of that, which yeah, I thought interesting. was really
0: Interesting, so he got his endorsement. That probably helped uh, the publicity for the movie.
1: Or, as a sceptic would say, it actually helped Anton LaVey's um, kind of fame, because he said that he served as, and I'm quoting, an uncredited technical advisor for the film. Right. Which is a bit sketchy, because uncredited, if you're an advisor, why would you not credit them? Yeah,
0: I, I-, I was actually an uncredited advisor on this movie too back in 66 so
1: (laughs) So was I did you not know (laughs) I hadn't actually been born yet but I was an unaccredited technical advisor because you can't prove me wrong (laughs) Um, but most people think that this claim isn't substantiated that LeVay just kind of wanted to spread the rumor so that he could gain free publicity so instead of the film gaining publicity from him he wanted to to get it from the film Um, but I think so you know the Church of Satan started in 1966 this film came out in 1968 and then the year afterwards was the Manson murders in 1969 Right. which weirdly um, you know Sharon Tate was Roman Polanski's wife while she was pregnant and the Mansons attributed a lot of it to Satan or there was a lot of around them being satanists i just thought that was a really weird fact about the the kind of history of this film that it kind of played out in a really weird
0: man way. That is, yeah that whole i mean i read a little bit on that whole um that whole murder spree or whatever. And uh, man, it's that is terrifying.
1: Absolutely terrifying. And the fact that it was real life, it was absolutely real, real life. And it was really connected to this film. I mean, a year afterwards and with the director and she was pregnant. I mean, really creepy. It freaks me out just thinking about it. Um, but I think all of these things kind of created the perfect breeding ground for Satanic Panic in the mm-hmm. 80s. And essentially what Satanic Panic was, was Christian fundamentalists would push the idea that satanic cults were abusing children in rituals and committing murder um and they actually convinced the public especially in america through news coverage of this so they i don't know if you ever heard the jokes about dungeons and dragons that that was part of Satanic Panic because all the parents thought that Dungeons & Dragons were poisoning their children. Yeah, no, no,
0: absolutely. When I was a kid, Dungeons & Dragons was on TV and I specifically remember a family Mm -hmm. friend who was actually a a pastor in a church oh yeah talking to my parents about oh don't let them watch Dungeons and Dragons
1: really at the time it
0: didn't really click I just thought oh it had the word dragon in the title maybe they got scared or something but yeah. I remember i um, having a Star Wars poster on my wall and an uncle who was very religious coming over saying t- telling my parents take that down that's a dragon take it down like <laughs> like because I yeah I grew up in a very kind of I mean we grew up with a lot of very christian people like Mm. very deep religious people so this stuff is all starting to click and make sense now i never Mm. um I never put two and two together. I think Dungeons and Dragons already started off as like a board game, and then
1: yeah, and that's like a what they were show
0: or something, right?
1: Yeah, that that's exactly it. Because the the board game is what most parents were banning from their kids playing in the eighties. Yeah, um, yeah, and so that yeah, it, it's actually crazy that things that we consider so tame. normal now came. <laughs> I know, God, if they saw the things that we see online and the films that we watch,
0: oh my goodness, just watch I don't it. Know
1: what people would would have done. Um, (laughs) But I do think that Rosemary's Baby was um, a direct influence because a lot of what people believed in the Satanic Panic is kind of related to Rosemary's Baby in terms of it, it revolves around children losing their innocence because it's Satan's child. It revolves around not being able to control um, your family, uh, not being able to control what your children do or who your children are. And that was a lot of what Satanic Panic was. Um, and the fact that people could kind of prove that Satanism was true, and I say prove in air quotes because um, of the Manson murders yeah. and Richard Ramirez and people like that who attributed a lot of the heinous things that they did to satanism and so you know Anton LaVey as as weird and as weird and eccentric as he was he did just create a kind of anti-church which talked about the self and talked about not believing in God um, or not having to live up to the pressures of God but it turned into something a lot darker and you know and it has continued to be that way and I think Rosemary's Baby is a kind of homage to the split between what Satanism used to be, it you know, it was normal people, to what it became, which was a panic around all things dark and mysterious and slightly out of our control. Um, so yeah, I thought that that context was, was quite interesting about the film.
0: Damn, I almost um, wish I'd watched a documentary on this before watching Rosemary's Baby. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, there's so many out there and there's so many interesting takes on satanic panic. You know, there's loads of conspiracy theories around, um, you know, who caused it and what was the why did people want this to be Um, for people to think about this in the 80s? Was it covering up systematic abuse in Catholic schools Hmm. so that they would say that it was actually Satanists who were doing it and perpetuate that instead? Like, there's loads about the especially the 80s rock music, that was another thing that made satanic panic blow up because there were these rockers who had long hair and they'd play guitars and they'd stick their tongue out and they'd worship the devil yeah Um, yeah. you know
0: I remember when I was in school like there'd always be these kind of stories about oh yeah if you get this song and you play it in reverse it says worship the devil
1: yeah I think there's a Beatles song that people say if you do it in reverse it says something like that
0: yeah 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 it's not that Helter Skelter thing is it oh no that was the Manson murders oh right I thought was a Beatles song called Helter Skelter I might be wrong, actually. I might be making that up, actually. No, you're right.
1: You're right. Uh, It was the... So um, Manson thought that Helter Skelter... I don't know if it was backwards or not, but said something about the end of the world coming... The world coming to an end because of a race war. Oh, dear. Yeah. So he used that song as his justification for people going out and murdering on his behalf.
0: Well, that makes total sense, obviously, doesn't it? Yeah, obviously. But
1: that's a really good point, actually, because again in the 80s that's what people were saying they were saying that it was songs that were or rock artists and rock music which was influencing their children so yeah it was just a very weird time and I do think that obviously people who were adults in the 80s are still alive now yes I wonder what they think about the satanic panic at the time if it just kind of disappeared or if they still think that these things are
0: well listeners if you were an adult in the 80s we'd love to Let's hear from just you know.
1: <laughs> let us know on our social media at Podcast. Yeah,
0: maybe if your story is crazy enough we'll get you on the next episode
1: yeah we could do a whole episode on it or if you're a satanist and you want to talk to us about it that would be so interesting that would
0: be insanely interesting <laughs>
1: yeah <laughs> But yeah, so that's, um, I've said, I, I'd like to know how many times I've said satanic panic in the last 10 minutes, because it's been every other word for me, but, but that's satanic panic and Rosemary's Baby, I think.
0: Well, it doesn't feel like you've overused satanic panic. The the, the phrase hasn't annoyed me yet, so.
1: Oh, I could probably make that happen if I carry on.
0: <laughs> Challenge accepted. <laughs> no, that was fascinating. I feel like I, you've genuinely taught me something new today. Um, I, I mean, I'd heard the phrase being thrown around a lot, but I didn't actually know what it meant.
1: Mm. Yeah, very interesting time. And yeah, I just thought it tied nicely with Rosemary's Baby because that happened before, from, you know, 10 years before Satanic Panic. And it just feels like that's where it started mm. around that time um yeah very interesting so did you have any trivia for this film
0: well i mean rosemary's baby is such an iconic movie and there's like tons and tons of trivia about this movie but there were there were two uh, small little tidbits that i found quite interesting now you know the opening and closing of the movie you got that kind of lady who's humming a song, yeah. that's Mia Farrow her Isn't humming a song yeah, yeah. and it's like, um, maybe Wonder was that like a lullaby or something she was humming at the beginning oh, and I ending of the movie that.
1: I did know that at one time but it's completely gone out of my brain there what it was, oh, well that's really interesting it's really creepy that song, I feel like anyone humming, I don't know, in films just kind of creeps me out
0: <laughs> especially <laughs> if you hear the humming in like an empty house or
1: something. exactly
0: yeah another thing that i kind of had to kind of google this but you know there's mention of tannis root Mm -hmm. uh uh, some kind of herb that uh, is mentioned in the
1: spotted fungus or something
0: yeah it turns out it's it's not a real thing oh uh the the author of the original book uh, ira levin had just entirely you know invented it for the story i, I was genuinely convinced it was a real thing to be honest
1: yeah oh well yeah it, i mean it, there's probably things that are used in rituals and stuff like that like herb obviously herbs is a big part of it and, yeah but not the devil i think it's called like the devil's fungus or something she calls it in one of the books um oh kind of a shame i are gonna gift you a necklace with pongy fungus inside <laughs> <Yeah. the persons. laughs>
0: There was a uh, yeah, so I mean yeah that that that's kind of all the all, you know the two bits of trivia I thought were yeah. pretty interesting, and um, apparently. Um, this movie is meant to be very faithful to the source material, to, to the book. Um, oh, really? I don't think Roman Polanski um, took very many liberties with it. So, uh, yeah. no,
1: that's that's good. I yeah, because I heard, I read a bit. Um, I was trying to find a good summary of the film, and I was reading it. and I thought, this, this is a you know way more information that the film gives us um, in the ending. And yeah. I realised I was actually reading a book synopsis. Oh wait, well, yeah. the only thing that was different that I saw was that there's a lot. There was a bit more um, conversation happening when Rosemary really finds the baby and finds everyone and they try and kind of convince her of being a mother um but obviously you know that's right at the end of the film and it would probably take up a long time yeah but some of the stuff they were saying was quite interesting and it kind of gave you a bit more insight into why she decides to be his mother because it was almost like in the film it was her choice like she just looked at him and decided that that was what she wanted to do um Whereas in the book, I think it's much more like um, Roman is convincing her that it's the only option. Like, What else are you going to do? And manipulates her a lot more into being his mother. So right. I think it's like two different versions of the same outcome. Okay. Um, yeah, which is quite interesting. But it's nice when films pay homage to their um, original books by kind of keeping to it um must have been hard though to not make this out this like five hours long
0: <laughs> Well, clearly they uh, they s- stripped it of any um unimportant material yeah. or, or less important material that would translate to to, to film so, yeah. yeah pretty good job what what did you um think overall then like what's your what, your closing thoughts and maybe a maybe a, a fright fix rating from you?
1: Fright fix rating. Overall thoughts. Um, I think that this film is um something that should be watched because a psychological horror done well, I think it's quite hard to find. A a, a horror that kind of um or a thriller, I suppose, that focuses so much on people and the mind and doesn't use a lot of special effects or ghosts or long convoluted backstories with lots of different people and lots of different settings. No, this is basically just in their apartment. Um, I think it does a really, really good job at that and it makes you think it has a lot of undertones and symbolism a lot like Jordan Peele's Us I think yes. you know everything that's said has an undertone or, or a symbol to it and I think that's kind of what this film does as well so I, I do appreciate it for that yeah. um, it wasn't scary but I was kind of okay with that I know yeah. in every film that we talk about one was like oh it didn't scare me so I didn't like it yeah. but with yeah. this sort of film you don't need to be scared you're it, the creepiness comes from a different place which I'm absolutely happy with Um. Absolutely. so yeah i would give it out of 10 i'd give it an eight eight out of 10
0: that's a really good score
1: yeah what about you
0: i i agree with pretty much everything you said um i mean last week when we were discussing what movie to do this week when when i kind of did a bit of just some cursory reading about rosemary's baby when i kind of realized it wasn't like a horror horror Mm -hmm. I was a bit skeptical about doing it. And I was kind of, oh, crap. Is this something we really want to do and cover in the podcast? Like, Mm -hmm. but I'm glad we watched it and I'm glad it's an episode on Fright Fix you know yeah. it kind of you know opened my kind of well opened my mind a bit broadened my horizons in terms of horror movies and and it kind of made me realize that yet yeah, not all horror movies need to have jump scares and ghosts yes. and monsters and, you know sometimes the most scariest monster are humans and um, mm-hmm. you know this and the story is genuinely you know it genuinely covers topics that are scary in real life I mean pregnancy in itself is terrifying enough and watching mm-hmm. this lady go through the stages of pregnancy and you know it, it, you know and just seeing the manipulation and you know the gaslighting she goes through it's scary it's very scary and it's it's a bit too real you know isn't mm-hmm. there's nothing supernatural about it really and uh so for for that I, you know i respect the movie and i'm glad we did it i'm really glad that you recommended it so thank you there and uh i would give it a the, the the number that keeps jumping to mind is seven. Yeah, and I don't, I'm not quite sure why, but that's just the number that came to my mind uh, for this movie.
1: with oh, your gut. I feel like that's uh, still a really good score.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think. Um, yeah, I think those changes that we suggested earlier on, if they, if they were implemented, like so, if. Uh, you know the, the revelations that are made to rosemary if they happen to rosemary at the same time as they happened mm-hmm. to us i think it would have made for a much better film and would have yeah. increased the, the the whole paranoia tenfold i think
1: and what would you give it if that was the case
0: oh if, if it implemented all our, our notes um even then to be honest i think i probably would have given it a nine actually
1: if... yeah, no. yeah i think that's fair enough i can't <laughs> i don't know if i'd ever Give film a ten because there's always things that could change. I don't know. Oh, maybe I'll maybe I'll shoot myself in the foot, and next week I'll be like, oh, it's brilliant, ten. <laughs> it <a> <laughs> but I think that's a fair. A seven is is a good number, and an eight if those changes had had happened. Um, but I agree. I think this is just a different film, um, but something that I do think that people should watch if they like horror, because y- you shouldn't watch the same film over and over again just in different settings. Like this, Rosemary's Baby is very much um, in a world of its own, and I think that that's always a good thing. We hope you enjoyed this month's Fright Fix. Join us next month as we'll explore a new horror film. We will be posting the movie a few days before the podcast episode is released on our social media, so be sure to follow us at Fright Fix if you want to watch the film ahead of time.
0: If you would like to send us a message or want us to cover a scary movie on an upcoming episode, please feel free to contact us on Instagram or Twitter or email us at podcast at frightfix.com.
1: See you next time.